So make sure I'm not muted. No, I'm not. Can you hear me? Yay! It's December now, so I can officially say Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. So as an American, um, we can't do Christmas until we've done Thanksgiving. So, (laughs) he's Scottish, by the way. Uh, (laughs) He's married to an American, but you know... So Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays in the world because it revolves around eating food. Like, you couldn't get any better. This happens the second to last Thursday of every November. So recently, we had that happen. So we had Thanksgiving. And then the next day, I had this epiphany that it's Christmas, which in the James house looks like me being like, oh my gosh, and Joshua being like, yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. So I'm very excited that we're in December. I am honored to be the person to start off a new series. We are revolving this next series around Christmas carols, which is really fun. Um, So we'll be taking a Christmas carol and doing a preach around the subject of the Christmas carol, which is very exciting. I was told earlier that I should have picked the Grinch song, and I deeply regret my choice today. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we're going to be talking today about the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And I decided I would love to start this out very cheesily by singing it together. Okay. If, if I'm the only one singing, I'm going to be really upset. All right. So, oh, come all you faithful on three. One, two, three. Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to This was a cheesy way to start it, but I do love this song because these songs are kind of things where I feel like a lot of times these songs come on every single year and we sing the same words and sometimes we can lose the magic of what these songs carry. Um, And this is one of my favorites. So with this, this song, O Come All Ye Faithful, Joyful and Triumphant, all of those things, it's really incredible that we get to come before the Lord joyful and triumphant because he sent his son around this time. And I love this. I love Christmas, obviously. Um, And I'm so excited. So I want to focus around essentially Mary and Joseph, which, you know, yes, Mary and Joseph, we hear about them all the time, you know, all those things, especially in church around Christmas. But when I heard the first line of this, this song, which is, Oh, come all ye faithful, they immediately stood out to me because they casually parented the Son of God. You know, like, like we can't lose sight of how powerful that is. Can you imagine God just showing up and being like, Hey, here's my son. Will you have him? 
I would be a little stressed out. Um, so I want to focus on that because it's incredible to see the faithfulness of this couple. They faced a lot of adversity, a lot of challenge. They faced a lot of hardship. They were, there's a lot that's happened to them, but they said yes to the Lord. And in that, in their yes, Jesus came to earth and saved all of us, essentially. And I love that. I love that. We love that. We love being saved by Jesus. Um, so these two were an incredible pair. We're going to start. Let's do a little story time. We'll start in Luke 1, and this is Luke, verse 27. So this is, starts with he. He is Gabriel, the angel. So Gabriel went to a woman who had never had a man. Her name was Mary. She was promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, Joseph was of the family of David. The angel came to her and said, You are honored very much. You are a favored woman. The Lord is with you. You are chosen from among many women. When she saw the angel, she was troubled at his words. She thought about what had been said. The angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. See, you are to become a mother and to have a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the place where his early father David sat. He will be king over the family of Jacob forever and his nation will have no end. Totally not intimidating. Totally not intimidating. Mary said to the angel, how will this happen? I have never had a man. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the most high will cover you. The holy child you give birth to will be called the Savior of God. See, your cousin Elizabeth, as old as she is, is going to have birth to a second child, or to a child, not a second child, a child. She was not able to have children before, but now she is in her sixth month, for God can do all things. Then Mary said, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel went away from her. This is really incredible. So let's break down Mary, if we will. So Mary was most likely a peasant, which she would not have led an easy life. Her life would have been full of hard work just to survive. Um, she would have been illiterate, most likely, not educated, came from nothing. Being a female as well would have continued to live a life that just wouldn't amount to much, if you will, at that time frame. It was very difficult for women to be successful at the time. Um, due to being unmarried in this, in this situation, first of all, she was probably about 15. Records say about 15. I'm 29. If the Lord came to me with this, I would freak out. And she's, near, she's a young child, basically. And she had the courage to say yes. And this is incredible because she has a hard life as it is. She had a hard life as it is. But what would happen here is that realistically, had she showed up pregnant, it would have been considered a form of adultery and she would have been killed, basically. Shunned by her family, Joseph would have had the right to throw the first stone to stone her because technically she would have committed adultery against him. So thinking about what little she does have she had the likelihood to lose all of that as well. So complete loss of security, loss of family, loss of any chance, loss of her man, basically everything would have just been lost. Um, 
So it's incredible to think that she had the courage to say yes. Like she didn't go home and think about it. Gabriel didn't give her a few days to just mull it over. She had no time to really sit back and consider this. She said yes on the spot. And I think that's so incredible. And I have so much respect for her because she said yes to the Lord immediately. And she asks a few questions. She's like, um, how is this going to happen? <laughs> like, what do you mean, basically? But not in a rebellious way where it, was not, where it was full of disbelief. She just was like, I just don't know how this is happening. The Lord answers her questions and she says yes. It's, in, it's incredible to see that she gave her yes so quickly. We're going to skip down to Luke 2. And this is where things happen for Joseph. So it says, let me see where I'm at here. So it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while, I don't know how to say this, Quirinius? Yes, yes, was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available. This is beautiful because Joseph didn't stone her, first of all. Go, Joseph. He didn't stone her, but he also took a risk here because he had the right to kill her for wronging him. Legally, he had that right. But the Lord sent a dream to him, and he obeyed. He was like, this is crazy, but cool. I'll take, him, I'll take her in. I'll raise him as my own. We'll name him Jesus. And not only that, we'll take a very pregnant lady on what basically is a 90-mile journey while she rides on a donkey. I have never been pregnant, but I don't think I'd want to ride a donkey while pregnant for 90 miles. I wouldn't want to do that now, okay? So we've had a lot of babies delivered in the last bit, and I assure you all of them would say, no, thank you, okay? So just thinking about that, and that's stressful enough on a woman, but thinking about the man who's completely helpless to help her, other than like, hold on, here we go. He also obeyed. And think about all of the advice his family would have given him. You don't know whose kid that is. She could be lying. She'd be doing all of this. But he said yes, because he knew. Can you also imagine if he had had the dream and then woke up and forgot it? <laughs> like, God had his hand on this. So the Lord gave him a dream, and he obeyed as well. They defied all of the odds. Because thinking about having a wife who committed adultery to you, or at least that's how people would have seen it, people would not want to talk to you. People would not want to be around you. And it's really insane. I think it's also really beautiful here because God recognizes Joseph in this in a really sweet way. And I kind of just realized this, but Joseph is the one who is of the line of David. And then we hear that Jesus was descended of David. So it's incredible because God, obviously Jesus is the son of God. But there's such a beautiful validation of Joseph in the sense that he was the one down the line of David, and Jesus took the place of his son and carried on that line. Beautiful thing, beautiful thing. So the Lord also really had his eye on Joseph, and what an incredible couple 
to defy all of the odds, take all of the risk, and say yes to the Lord. It's such an example to follow. It gets to the point, there's a lot of dramatic circumstances within the early part of their relationship and of Jesus' life. Because then what happens is Herod essentially wants to find Jesus. And so then they have to, as refugees, go to Egypt, which would be very, very, very different from where they grew up. And even just as a no- in normal circumstances, I moved from America to here. And that's an ordeal in itself. But to think about having a young child and being a refugee and having someone out to kill you, a king with resources, with all of this, to have to pick up your young family and move to a culture that's completely different. We, we can't lose sight of how intensive that would have been, how much they sacrificed, how much they had to lay down to have this child within their family. It's incredible, really. So looking at them closely and looking at the way that their life would have been is incredibly moving, knowing all that they would have had to lay down being the parents of Jesus. It's also incredible for Joseph because technically this wasn't his son. And he knew that from the start. But he raised him as his own. He taught him a trade. He taught him how to be successful. He took Jesus in as his own son. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's really fun to read through the life of Jesus as well to see um, how they parented. Like if you look through the lines and see how they parented, it's quite incredible. Um, The example where Jesus got lost and he was found in the temple later on by Mary and Joseph. He got lost, basically, I'll fill you in. He got lost, everyone was freaking out. So they go back to find him, search the town, can't find him. And they go into a temple, and he's just having a casual conversation with a ton of religious leaders, basically, and keeping up with them. And when they get to him, Mary's like, oh, my, she's panicking. She's freaking out. And then Jesus is like, why? Didn't you know I'd be here? Like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Didn't you know? And I just think about myself being a mom, be like, no, I didn't know. We searched everywhere for you. We were so scared, you know? But in the end of it, she says that she treasured these things in her heart. What a response. That would not be my response. She treasured these things in her heart because she was watching the Savior of the world grow up before her eyes. And she also didn't probably realize what came with that at the start. Who, like, no one understood at the beginning of his birth and of his childhood and even of his early ministry that the way that he came to save the world was to die for all mankind. They didn't know this. So it's crazy to think about raising this child as their own, watching him go through things, and the way that they loved him and the way that they laid down their own issues and things to parent this savior of the world as if you even could. <laughs> is a beautiful thing, their faithfulness to the Lord, their faithfulness to see this through, their faithfulness to say yes to something they probably had no grasp on whatsoever is is incredible. Joseph ended up passing away um, before Jesus 
passed away as well. But it's really inter- interesting because Mary was the, really, the, if you look into it, kind of the only person that was with Jesus from the very beginning to the very end. And what a favored place, what a painful place as well. Like I can't imagine watching my son go through all of this and then essentially watching him be crucified and not understanding. She had to give up her son, even unto torture and death, but she stayed faithful the whole time. It's, an, it's incredible. Like what a couple, what a pair, what faithfulness to give a yes because they faced a lot of hardship in their lives in general. But then the addition of Jesus and his life and his purpose and why he was sent at all, incredibly painful. But they said yes, and they stayed faithful. And their son saved the world. Incredible. And their faithfulness, how many of you know that walking in faithfulness is a form of worship? There are so many ways to worship. Singing to God is one of many. Living a life of faithfulness and obedience is worship to the Lord. Living a life of surrender is worship to the Lord. And oh, did they worship. Oh, did they worship. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Bind them around your neck. It's pretty important. (laughs) The Lord is making a point here. Beautiful thing about Jesus as well is if you're sitting in here and you're like, well, I have only known the Lord for a little bit or I really make a mess of things often, join the club for starters. But 2 Timothy 2.13 says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He is love. He is faithfulness. And even though God sent himself as a human, do not limit God to humanity. He's bigger than our human experience. He came and he lived the human experience. He knows how humans work, but he is not limited to our human capacity. He's not limited to our boxes. He's not limited by humanity. So don't forget that Jesus came to the world as a human, but he's God. He's God. He is faithful. He can't not be faithful. He's love. He can't not be love. Because he's God. And if you don't get that, it's because he's God. (laughs) We're never going to fully understand. We're never going to fully know. But what a privilege it is that we get to come to him and in his presence because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We get to the part of the song now that sings about come and let us adore him. It says, sing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Adore means to love and to respect someone very deeply. So this adoration is essentially putting your love and your respect onto the Lord. 
And he's so worthy of it. He's so worthy of our love. He's so worthy of our adoration. So when we sing these songs, I would really say this year, not necessarily to the Grinch or, you know, those types of things, but think about what you're singing this Christmas whenever you sing these carols. Look at these from a different perspective this year. Because I really feel like the Lord wants to ignite something in us. And I think, you know, this year has been a bit difficult for a lot of people I know, but there's still so much Jesus wrapped in and up and around it. And I think that there's something beautiful about, there, I, I truly feel like the Lord is, is shifting something. That the things that used to inspire us, they used, they used to move us, that used to draw us out of bed anymore, they're not doing it anymore. We need something new, we need something different. And I feel like the Lord wants to bring that to us this year. So I'm really excited to see what he does because I don't know if, about you guys, but this year, I've heard that this happens too. The longer that, the older that you get, the more time flies by quickly. But this year has flown by more than any other year of my life. I don't even know why, but it has. But it's crazy to see what the Lord can do in a year. And we're about to start a new one. So I just have this pull from the Lord to be like, look for new things. Look for new passion. Look for where the presence is. Because if you're looking at the old things that where the presence used to be, it's probably not there anymore. He's moving. He's going. He's doing something new. So I really feel the Lord being like, open your eyes and look at places where you haven't yet because I'm doing something new. I'm doing something different. It's a really deep desire of mine that at the end of my life that I would be seen as a person who's lived faithfully and has lived obediently. And it is a big passion of mine as well that the church would be seen that way as well. The church is people. The church is you. It is such a desire of mine that at the end of the, our life, that the Lord would look at us and be like, you were so faithful and you were so obedient. You laid things down when I asked you to. You said yes when it was hard. You obeyed even when you didn't feel like it. You said yes. And I feel like there's a lot of people in this room this morning that you need to take a step in. You need to take a step closer. You need to take a step farther in to the presence or farther into specifically something that scares you. There's something <laughs> where the Lord is asking us to come closer, to take a step farther, to say yes if we don't want to, to, if you're scared of the things of the Spirit, go after that. You really don't want to be obedient to something he's saying, do it. You don't want to let go of something that's hurting you? Let go. And that's the thing. Those are a few examples. But you probably know things within yourself where the Lord's asking for more. He likes to do that, by the way. <laughs> he likes to grow us. He likes to stretch us. So I would just really encourage you, don't get lost in the shuffle this Christmas. 
Don't get lost in the shuffle of, you know, Christmas, so stressful, got to get the gifts, got to decorate, got to this, got to that. Open your eyes to see what the Lord is doing this year. This year. This holiday is completely about him. And if we're missing that, we're missing the point. But the Lord's doing something so new, and I feel it so deeply. So I would just charge you that when it costs you much, give your yes anyway. When it scares you crazy, go for it anyway. We look at, you know, Joseph and Mary, and I think it's really easy to do that biblically sometimes where I think I was raised in the church as well. So I think for me, I can read stories like this and be like, yeah, I know the story. You know, like I know the story. We've heard this a million times. Memorized the verse in Sunday school and got a candy. You know, those kind of things. Like it's, it's easy to have heard it once, heard it a million times type of thing. But when you break it down in the context of a life, Mary had a very difficult life. She was highly favored, but she raised her son for him to die brutally. That sucks. Joseph married an adulteress. That sucks. <laughs> it wasn't easy. And yet the fruit of their life changed the world. The fruit of our lives can change things. And that's the beauty of it. Sometimes you don't know if you're doing something for yourself or if you're going through something for another person beside you. Mary went through all of that for humanity, and she didn't know. (laughs) She probably didn't know the gravity of that. We get to come joyfully and triumphantly because what Jesus has done for us paid the price for us to be in communion for him. He made a way for us to actually be citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. That's pretty cool. So yes, glory to God. Yes, come let us adore him. Let's, let's really go after the Lord this Christmas. He's good, he's worthy, and he's faithful. He's faithful. The band can come back up if that's okay. Yeah, so I'm just gonna pray real quick. But God, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made to give yourself to rescue all of humanity. God, thank you for making us citizens of heaven. And I can't even wrap my mind around that, God, but I ask that you would reveal the kingdom. I ask that you would do something new. I ask that you would light sparks all across this room today, that where things were dead, they would come alive again. I thank you, God, for inspiring us to look in new places, that if we're tired, you would give us rest. And that we would be able to see you in a fresh and beautiful way this Christmas. That we would be able to see the celebration and the glory of your presence, God, in a way that we've never experienced it before, Jesus. I ask that you would reveal yourself. I ask that you would reveal yourself this Christmas to us in Jesus' name. Amen.